Good afternoon and welcome to Training Camp Tuesday. With all the craziness going on in our world over the last seven months, today is a monumental day. We've got football. In its craziest version, we still got it. And I'm excited about it. No doubt about it. Um, I got joining me today one of my good friends. You know, we were competitors when we played, came in the league the same year. And um, listen, this dude brings the fire. You'll remember him um, from ESPN. He was on with John um, Clayton for quite a few years. Very, very controversial. Very brash, straight to the point. No BS. Um, he's now the morning host of the Sean Salisbury Show on KBME Sports Talk 790. Um, my good friend, my homie, my bro. How you doing, man? Seth, I'm doing great, my man. I, I come on here shivering for the simple. What's that? I was gonna say I come on, I come on here because I still, I still every single time we talk, which is a lot, and anytime we're laughing and joking, or when I know I'm gonna do something with you, the first thing I think about is, you crushed me in the in the vet, dude. I had it. We had we're driving down to win you and Eric Allen and Reggie and Jerome. And I'm throwing just a simple little hot read swing pass in the vet. And I think, oh, he's overrun this free runner blitz. We got a little scat protection on. And you reach back and make like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and, and Giannis in the same play. Crushed me, broke my heart. And then you had to take it to the house for the win-win. If Terry Allen catches it, I just throw it three inches higher. We may beat you guys in your building. And it's still to this day. Still to this day, one of the great defensive plays I ever saw just happened to be against me. I threw it to the other team a lot, but that one shouldn't have been caught, and you made a great play. But it's great to be on with you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. A little left-hand snag. You know, I was. Oh, and that's just it. You were going up the field, yeah. and it was the old reach back, the courtesy reach around. Well, you know, I had Terry in blitz coverage, and I thought he was going to pick me up, so I ran at the quarterback knowing that he would pick me up, and he released so you kind of caught me in between. And I know what you was trying to do. You was trying to throw it behind me. And, um, and, if and he, it, if, it was if, all if reaction, I, man. Yeah, but, but it was just great athletic play by you. So, yeah, every time I'm around, I say, dude, I could have gone into Philly and been a hero just to the start. But, no, Seth Joyner does what Seth Joyner does, makes a play, scowls, broods, takes it to the house. So not only did you intercept it, you just had to go and waltz in the end zone and sew it all up. And if Terry – if I make the good throw on that, just by another three inches, and you don't make a – but Jordan-esque play. Terry, there's nobody there for Terry because you yeah. were in blue. I mean, he was gone. But I always think about it, brother, but it's always good. I, I miss you. I don't see enough of you, but it's great to be on with you. One of the great plays of all time on the vet, and that was a fun time to compete against you. Absolutely, man. So, listen, um, you know, today, July 28th, training camps open, you know, with all the craziness surrounding, you know, the COVID. And, um, you know, I – I did my homework last night and put together a list last night when I did the um, the guys that opted out for either health reasons or, you know, just because they didn't feel safe was at seven. Um, I realized that that number is just off the charts right now. Um, but give me your thoughts about the upcoming season um, and your prospects for a full 16 game schedule and, you know, a, a playoff with a Super Bowl winner at the end of the season. I'm not a fear monger, Seth. You know this, and I, and, I, and I know you're not either. And the competitive part of us, and for me, says, let's go play. I, I had it when I was out there in Scottsdale for a couple of months. I had it for 21 days. 
I had, I had every symptom, but I, I didn't throw up, but I, it took me a month to get taste and smell back. I exercised and sweat every day on purpose and got sun, as you can do in Arizona, because I, I, I felt that it kind of helped zap it. So I, I, I've been there. I had this. Now, I didn't have any of the, I didn't have to go to the hospital, and I know it affects people different. There's this competitor in me said, let's go play, man. I mean, it, we, we're going to have to deal with this life. I mean, is it ever going to fully go away? I don't know. I'm not Dr. Fauci. I'm not a doctor. But I know being around people, and I just look at the stats and say, well, if 99% of people heal and young people are going to get strong, I mean, heal back because they're strong, then let's go play. And then there's the other side. I mean, i got an 81-year-old mom, and, and I know that we got to protect older folks that, and, and people that are high risk. But I also say, well, if you're high risk, if I was high risk when I was sick with it, I didn't hang around anybody. So there's, there's that you know, catch-22 where you, you want to keep people safe. But there's also common sense and respect, which we don't have enough of, not just in the end of anywhere. You know what I'm saying? But I, if somebody's coming to me and say, Sean, would you have played even with COVID? And, and if they would let you like the flu, I'd have said, hell yeah, I'd have mustered it up like we do. I'd have got a shot or whatever it is for energy. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have flew it up and I'd have gone and played because, well, that, that's just what we do. But I know times have changed. I know it's sensitive. I know it's, there's some insecure people. And I don't blame those guys one bit, Seth. I don't. I, I don't have any. If they don't feel it, don't do it. But I also don't think we punish the guys who do want to do it. And they got to be smart. They got to be safe. They got to spend time at home. They got to do what they're supposed to do protocol. Now the question is, how can we pull it off? We got a baseball that should be able to social distance. And if you're social distance in football, then your ass sucks. Okay, you can't social distance in football, or you ain't gonna. Now I know I've social distance from some receivers at times with my throws, but you ain't social distancing. So. Seth, the, the, the football guy in us, we're reactors, man. You say you're going to come at me with COVID. I say I'm whooping COVID's ass and I'm going to play for the fans and no, you know, because that's what we do. And I know people need it, but I also know people need peace of mind. So I don't blame the guys. I'll never make a decision for anybody else. But if you asked me right now, would I go play? I'd say yes. If you're asking me if I think we're going to have a full season, if I was a bet man, I would not bet my salary on the fact that we're going to finish the season. I think we're going to start it. It may be a little late, but I think we're going to start it. But I think we're going to have a hell of a time finishing it if baseball can't get their crap right. Well, I, I've i been of the opinion that baseball and basketball and hockey, whenever they get ramped back up, I think that they are going to be the beta test for the NFL. Amen. You know, I think that you know this thing with the Marlins, um, you know, the, the situation with Lou Williams, you know, these these are situations, you know, that that create doubt, you know. And if you get to a point where, you know, you've got so many guys that are quarantined and can't play, then you get to a point where they're going to have to shut it down. Right. If baseball gets shut down, if basketball gets shut down, if the NHL gets shut down, the if football doesn't stand – you know, no chance in hell, because at the end of the day, the, the second most physical sport, and that can be debated to football, is hockey. You know, everything else, you know, there's a way to get around it. You can get, you can put these guys in a bubble. But with 53 plus guys on the roster, how do you create a bubble to keep these guys safe? How do you keep guys away from their families, you know, for four months, five you don't, months? You don't. You're, you're exactly you and I are on the, one, the exact same page. Like I said, there's this balance between, well, I don't want to fear monger and make people think that I'm insensitive and don't care about somebody, a grandmother or my mother's health in Las Vegas. 
But then there's the other side that says, damn, if 99% are healthy and 4%, you know, it's 96% are healthy or, or tested negative and 4% test positive. Seth, you and I both know this. If this was baseball and the Yankees and the Dodgers were going through what the Marlins were going through right now, baseball would be done. I'm, I'm just telling you. And if it was Pat Mahomes, Brady, uh, Khalil Mack, and Russ Wilson, they test positive during camp, regardless of what they say, guess what's going to happen? They're going to slow that thing or shut it down. But you're right. If baseball camp, when there's built-in social distancing – other than a high five, which guys, I guess, got to stop doing that um, and the celebrating. But it's the reaction that we athletes do. We forget that we can't spit or high five or hug. And then we also think we're indestructible, Seth. That's the next level to this. See, when, when it hits us, we all think, and I know you're the same way I am. You think, mm -hmm. well, COVID, I, I can still whoop this. I'm, I'm still going to play. We played through injuries. You played through knee injuries. You say, well, I played through the flu. I know it's different. And I know this is when 150,000 people in the United States have died, we, we got we to gotta take a look at it. we got to be serious. But the other side of it is who's going, who's going to test positive? And if baseball does get stopped down, if you think the NFL is bad, imagine what it's going to do to college football. You can forget that. I'm almost thinking you can forget college football anyway, which I hate because it ruins my Saturday if we don't. But, Seth, you're exactly – it's not going to be one eye towards baseball and basketball and hockey. Basketball is going to survive because they bubbled them up and they could. We can't do it in our sport. So if baseball goes down and they decide not to play, if this keeps happening with the Marlins to three other teams, there's no way, at least on time, that the NFL can start. They can't do it just for optics alone, let alone the safety part of it. You know, uh, I you're, you're spot on when you talk about the mentality of football players um, feeling like, you know, especially our era of football, football players feeling like, you know, we're invincible. Um, I'm not so sure that that's the overriding attitude of, you know, today's players. It's just, it's just wired completely different. Um, and I've got some opinions about what I think about the COVID. You know, right. I'm not going to voice them because, you know, my girl will come running in here any minute, you know, and jump down my throat about not talking about it. But, um, you know, the NFL has tried to do everything it could, you know, to maintain – you know, some semblance of a season. And every other sport has been affected by this, with the exception of football, as far as their regular season is concerned, except for football and the OTA and off-season program. Um, you know, you got all of these guys, you know, this um, Duvernay Tardif kid from Kansas City. Right. Fresh, off, fresh off of, you know, a Super Bowl victory, um, going to be a future doctor understand you know why he's doing what he's doing you know um i had these three guys you know cannon vidal and tor and torin from the patriots yesterday but they're up to almost seven to eight guys just off of new england's football team and the most notable guys one of their best players on defense is dr hightower right um you know you got a guy from you know the washington football team i chuckle every time i see that um a guy from the Cowboys, Chance Warmack, DeAndre Thomas, um, you know, who else? I mean, you, you got these guys that are basically opting out um, and saying for whatever reason, whether it's a medical reason or whether it's, um, you know, you've got a kid at home that's got a medical situation that you right. don't want to put them at risk. Um, it seems to me the closer we get 
to the season, if there's going to be a season, you know, you're going to see more and more guys opt out. I agree. I, I was doing my show this morning, Seth, from six to 10, and it just started to roll like a scroll. It was like every 10 minutes, like we're giving score updates at a baseball game. Ah, oh, three to two in the fourth. Well, uh, Hightower's opted out. And, then, you know, and the list goes on and on. And like I said, somebody has a baby home. I'm never ever, one thing I don't do in life, Seth, I don't, first of all, dog people for their opinion because it's their opinion, unless it was factual. And then they said it's not factual, but it was. I don't, that's their opinion. And I don't get in people's wallet, man. I don't get in people's wallet. You know, if you can get all the money, Patrick Mahomes, why the hell would I dog him? So when it comes to this, listen, I'm going to speak for me. If you say, Sean, would you go play tomorrow? If you ask me if I'd go to a baseball game, a football game as a fan tomorrow, I'd say yes, I, I would, because I'd try to have some common sense, one thing we lack, and respect for others. But in the process, we've got to be able to determine, okay, how dangerous is it for those on the outlier, somebody's parent, somebody's kid, and if you don't want to go, don't go. But Seth, let me ask you this. If 25, 50 guys don't show up, but 1,450 do, and, the, and, and football wants to play, should we punish the other guys who don't want to play that are trying to go about it right. And then the other 50 guys that want to be safe should stay home. I've always said, if I got the flu, I ain't going to come breathe on your ass. I'm going to stay home. If I got COVID-19, I'm going to respect that I'm staying home. That's part of it. So, you know, we all want football, I, I think, but not at the expense of cause. One life's too many, and I, I don't even need to qualify that. But listen, this has been a rough, 2020 has sucked for a lot of people. Now we're here healthy, doing our job and get a chance to do it with great listeners and, and a great following you have. Um, I want to play, but I'm going to tell you what I've learned, that I can survive without it. I mean, not only we have as, as former players, but I can survive with I don't want to. But I can tell you what, I don't sit in infectious disease meetings, so I'm not going to say some guy like Marcus Cannon, who's been through, I think, cancer it was, right, Seth? Mm -hmm. That you should go out there and put at risk because somebody just happened to you blocked, didn't know he was tested, and now you – your heart condition or your lungs are different for the next 30 years because we don't know enough about it, but right. I'm hoping we, I'm hoping we do it. It's just, I can't believe we're not, we don't get a chance to break down. Well, who's going to be good this year. And I'm sure we will, but that most of our talk is, is this guy showing up or he's not, but shame on anybody that dogs somebody for not playing and shame on the ones who aren't playing or anybody that gets pissed that we, that somebody wants football. It's okay to want something and still want people alive. It's like when we talk about Black Lives Matter and the standing or kneeling for the anthem. I try to tell people, you and I have known each other a long time. I can kneel for the national anthem and still love my country and love the Star Spangled Banner and love the flag. Right. Just like I can stand for the damn national anthem and still, not, and still be appalled by uh, you know, systemic racism and still be appalled by um, police brutality. You, you, can, you can love both meaning love getting rid of racism and love your country. So it's like somebody has an opinion and we're not allowed to. My opinion is I want football. I just don't know if we're going to get through it all, Seth. And baseball and, and in particular is going to tell us the most. You know, we, we think alike. And, you know, my, my issue with the world in which we live in now, we don't live in a world where you and I can disagree. Mm -hmm. and it's okay. And then we can go sit down and have a burger and a beer. You know, it's either you believe my way or there's major conflict, you know, right. and I'm going to get on social media and every platform that I can get on. And I'm going to try to destroy you because you don't think the way that I think. Right. And to me, to me, that's problematic. You know, listen, you, you got a guy like 
Malcolm Jenkins has come out and said, hey, football is not essential. And then you got a guy like Jason McCourty that comes out and says, you know, the prospect of playing this year, and he hasn't opted out yet. The prospect of playing this year is nerve-wracking, you know. So now, I mean, football, to me, football is the most popular sport in the United States. Why? Agreed. Because you don't have 162, 82, 82. You got 16 games. That's it. 16 regular season games. And if you're if you're a fan who only goes to home games, you got eight weeks out of 52 weeks to watch the game that you love. That's exactly right. It's 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 a different ball game when you're talking. If I if I'm a season ticket holder for the Sixers, you know, I got 41 games. Who cares if I miss 20 games? I got 21 more games that I can go and see. Right. But but football's a different animal. Even when you look at it from the playoff standpoint, you don't get game two, game three, and game four to get it right. It's win or go home every single week. So right. it's uniquely different. And everyone's waiting for this to happen. Okay. So when you have the players that have this much fear, and in my opinion, this fear has been generated by the media over this thing, a lot of this stuff is real. A lot of this stuff, you know, in my in my opinion, is overhyped. But at the end of the day, if someone is fearful for their well-being, for the for for the well-being of their family and their loved ones, okay, then it's problematic. And the NFL has done everything that it could, in my opinion, to try to soothe that. But when yep. you have guys come in that that test positive, you got guys that show up, you know, that's automatically put on the list. You know, the NFL has got a, a, a major issue here. No question. And the more big name people, and we, we know how it's a star driven league, say, uh, Seth, they all are right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know how that goes, but I, I'm 100% with you. And, you know, I think about the guy that we sit back and we don't know what some of their underlying health reasons or conditions. If a guy has diabetes and he's 310 and let's say he's, he's overheated. And like I said, I'm far from a fear monger cause I would play, but damn, so the guy overheated, gets a little dehydrated, and didn't get the proper sugar intake. And all. God forbid we somebody laying on the ground dead because of it, right? And, I, and I, I'm not being insensitive. I'm being serious. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm not trying to overdo it and scare people because I feel the same way you. There's no question. Listen, and you mentioned it. You can go on there in the media. This, they're, they're fighting for it. And if you say, I want football, well, then you'd like 150,000 dead. If I say, I don't want football, then I'm not tough enough to play, you know. All those things. And another thing that makes our sport great is that there's this, there's this, I mentioned indestructible earlier, not only with the players, but fans. Oh, they can handle it. They're tougher. That, that's, when I watch hockey, Seth, when I, let me tell you something. Hockey comes walking over. They're like Chuck Norris. The, 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 you come over, COVID comes over to a hockey player. The goon's going to knock him in the mouth and COVID's running away from the hockey. That's how tough those dudes are, right? <laughs> you know, finger breaks in half or, or compound fracture, put it back in. Let me just get back out there and play. They have that same mentality. And I think we look at it. So you're almost expected our oh, COVID can't beat you. That's kind of a mentality. And quite frankly, as a football player, whether it's you as a linebacker or me getting hit by you, that's part of what makes us survive through it. But that, I, I will never, ever dog a guy for doing it now in the, to be the devil's advocate for, you know, what Malcolm said and, and I get what he's saying or, or what McCordy said. Don't here's what the one thing that bothers me about any of us, whether it's some politician telling some pizza joint owner in Philly that his job's unessential, non-essential, you're at non-essential when he spent 50 years raising money, took every bit of his savings and put it into that place. And somebody shuts his business down that he's trying to, you know, mask and trying to 
social distance and do it right. And somebody says, no, you can't open your business, dude. And then his life savings go and his grandkids or his great grandkids. And that's been his life. So his mental self-esteem, his mental health, his emotional health goes into hell in a handbasket. Don't damn well tell me that every job's essential to the usher who hands out popcorn that was counting on the tip money during a baseball game. Whether we can put them out there is not. But if they wanted to sign a waiver, hell, that's on them. But I, I, yeah, it's essential. Damn, it's essential to the people because isn't it essential to the guy who the, the yard marker guy? He, he, he that, that's an extra two hundred and fifty bucks or five hundred bucks a game. It's essential to me when I was playing Seth. As you try to make a team, you know, you coming out of college, you hell every snap mattered. So it, it's not essential. Tell that to then why then if it's not essential, why do one hundred and thirty million people watch it on Super Bowl Sunday? So that's where I just I get what Malcolm's saying. But the essential part of it is that people want to earn a living. It's good for their mental health, and you hit it. What do you want to do on? What, what, tell me what you do every Sunday, Seth. What do we do every Sunday? We tune up. We, we turn it on, right? We're locked, locked in, in all, all day, day long, all day and all night. That's exactly right. So there, I, I get both sides. But the thing I can't stand is you write on social media. You and I have disagreed about a, a, many of things. Mm-hmm. But you and I, I, I'll tell you what. You ain't ever going into an alley without me. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't <laughs> matter if we do it. Now, you may turn around and hit me because you see number 12 on the back, but it's just I, I wish that we were more peaceful on social media. This thing might even work better. We elect politicians on social media, and we, 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 we make decisions on hydrochloroquine on social media, but damn, I want sports. I know that crazed town in Philly wants sports for their guys and, and all over the country, but I just don't know. And then it's the discipline of the player, making sure he's doing the right thing away from the complex. Damn away from the complex and some of that accountability falls on them too good stuff man i told i told my listeners to be ready for the fire i want to before we get into some of the stuff that happened as far as the nfl and nfl pa is concerned um i've got one listener one viewer and he's got a question he said if we have football if we have a football season and half the nfl is filled with replacement players okay well, we respect the team that wins the Super Bowl. Um, I just think, you know, because you brought it up, if there's 500 guys that don't want to play and there's, you know. Uh, a thousand that do, right. A thousand, approximately a thousand that do, do we have the season or, or do we just cancel it? So, I, I, I mean, I, I, we, we, we've seen that replacement deal before. Ain't happening. Work. Just like spring football's not working, Seth. We've tried that a million times because people are looking to baseball and we've burned out from fall. Um I don't think college spring football would work. It's a fall sport. I don't want to deal with it. And then have college kids playing two full seasons in one season. Yet we do care about the player's health, right? That's what they'll tell us next. Well, and I think Jeff, I think I've known Jeff from the past, who's a really good dude and and is involved in this football stuff. Uh, He's 100% correct. Well, and that's why I said not 500 if it's 40 guys and they're not the stars, Seth. That And while people don't want to think that somebody's life is more important a decision, if LeBron and Giannis and James Harden don't want to play in, in the playoffs and they decide they were going to opt out, get, guess what would have happened to this NBA bubble? Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have thought twice about starting it. Right. Not because they care, don't care about Porzingis' health, but we know stars run it. And it's the same year. I, I, if it was Jeff that asked it, and I'm and to answer your question, no. It, it, I mean, yes, we would say it's been a gimmick season. That, not to dog the guys who play, but the thought process would be, well, Mahomes wasn't quarterbacking, that we had to bring a third guy in, that a guy like Salisbury was quarterbacking. No, th- th- that's right. We want our stars. We want our full players. 
Now, we may miss a few for a few games, but if we rolled through the season and it was replacement players, we would always look back at 2020 saying COVID sucked, people lost jobs, people lost lives. And when we got to sports, I can't crown the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl champions in a year that 60% of the players were replacement players. I'll just tell you this right now. If we have to get to replacement players and the season started, they will shut the season down before they'll allow 40 of their stars to stay at home because they're sick. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, the, the NFL basically is, you know, they're a 12 to $15 billion a year industry. Right. They're estimating that their, their revenue losses for this year could be upwards of 70 to 90 million bucks. Okay. The TV contract is, is the, the largest, you know, revenue stream for them. Are they really going to walk away from that? Because you know what? Whether they put the, the real players or – and that's what they tried to do in 87 when we were on strike. Right. They put, they put the, the scab players in, and that forced the networks – even though there was about 200 people in every stadium watching these, these silly-ass games, um, they realized that if they put something on the field, that the networks still had to pay them. So are they going to walk away from that money realizing that because of the – the no fans in the seats because of, you know, no stadium revenues, no parking revenues, no limited uh, memorabilia revenues. Are they really going to walk away from, you know, that money that, that's on the table? All right. Let, let's play a game here for a second. You're the TV network negotiator. Fair enough. And I'm the commissioner. Um, and I come in and I say, listen, see, I would have here's what one of my problems with some of the things sports has done. I actually think, Seth, like a lot of us, when this COVID first hit mid-March, would we – oh, two weeks, dude. This will, become, this will come and gone. And then two weeks hit. And then they said, well, two more weeks. And before, oh, let's, let's, let's flatten the curve. And before you know it, we're sitting here damn near in August, and we're not sure if we're going to finish or start some of them, right? Well, think about this if we're negotiating. Knowing this is coming down the pike, I'm a guy that wants to be out in front of stuff. Instead of wait for it to happen, I think they thought COVID was just going to disappear into thin air and we were going to get back at it, especially football, knowing ah, it's March, man. It's been a rough offseason, but by the time August, September roll around, this is what we do. We're into, of course, it's football. Here's what I would do. If I was a commissioner, I would have, when this kicked in and we knew that it was going to be extended, I'd have gone to the TV networks and say, listen, here's our plan, plan on playing, blah, blah, blah. If guys get sick and COVID kicks in and we got to shut it down, this is a different year. Why not add a year to the end of the TV deal? Add a year to the end of the TV deal times the interest that the TV revenues are going to lose. Because if I'm a TV executive and we flip it and you're the commissioner and you come to me, first of all, no fans in the stands. It's going to be weird enough. Now you're going to throw no disrespect to the guy trying to get a chance to play. You're going to throw spring football players on me in the fall. The TV executive that has a Monday night game and Al Michaels on Sunday night ain't going to want to do it. So lo and behold, now no, no visual. The optics suck. And then the play is not going to be the Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz play or Seth Joyner play. It's going to be guys that, quite frankly, no disrespect, are probably AAA players until they get a chance. And so if I'm a TV network, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to – I got to rob Peter in the fall of 2020 if we're going to – if it does shut down, I mean, and our guys are getting sick and we got to stop it. And I'll rob Peter, but I'll pay Paul at the end of the new, this TV deal – and then we'll add interest and we'll do all those things to make it a win-win for both. Because 
People take pay cuts. Executives are taking pay cuts. Football. It's just one of those years. You got to you got to have grown men and women sit across from each other, which we don't do enough, and say, "Listen, let's let's hash out the right deal." There's a great negotiation. Isn't when I hammer you over the head, and you lose. A great negotiation is when we both walk out of there thinking, "Oh, we both won." So, Seth, I would do something to protect myself if I'm the TV. Because if, if you're the TV executive, you're, you really think on Sunday night football, as much as we crave it, if we had half the league as replacement players on week seven on a Sunday night, Philadelphia versus the, the, the Chicago Bears, other than those two markets, anybody's watching? Minimal. No. You and I both know it. Minimal. Because no. even you as a football fan, other than we got to talk, if you didn't have to talk about it, you'd tune in for a second. But if it was a midday golf game, you and I are playing at Pebble Beach guess what, my friend? We're not missing that tea time, okay? And you and I both know that. David. David. <laughs> That's right. That's no, right. That's no right. doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, so in the 11th hour, the NFL and the NFLPA come to, you know, terms because the players, hashtag we want to play, right. it's just going berserk on social media. Um and there's there's quite a few things that they're trying to figure out. Like I said, you know, they know that they're going to take a hit as far as the salary cap is concerned for 2021. 20, mm -hmm. um, the number is set at 195, 195 million for this year. Um, negotiation is to leave it in place. We'll make the adjustments in the subsequent years. The players want to stretch it out over the 10 year expansion of the CBA. The NFL wanted to stretch it out. You know, they wanted to put it into next year, but they agreed to five years trying to figure out how to um, how to adjust it. Um, the, the salary cap and these adjustments that they're talking about, um, how are they going to manage that? Because you got contracts that are already in place. Right. That they, 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 and a lot of it's guaranteed that you're going to have to pay. It, it doesn't matter. It's, well, they're already in place. You, you don't get the, you don't get to get, it's not the old give back. You don't get right. that in this situation. Right. And, and you've got teams, you got certain teams that because of their prior commitments are going to go into next off season already over the cap. I mean, the Eagles are in that situation, right? So how are they going to, how are you going to handle an adjustment from 195 down to 120 to 140 million as far as the cap is concerned. You know what I'll bet you they do, Seth? I'll bet you when all is said and done, if they're able to get the season in, the cap will stay either where it's at or go up. I'll bet you. I'll bet you with all this going, you know how this goes. Well, look at baseball. In March, they had a deal done, right? Oh, right. wait a second. We may not get fans in the stands. We want you to redo a second time. My gut tells me, when you, hey, when you're paying Mahomes and these guys this much money and using up the cap, and then you've already negotiated two years ago, guys in year three of his contract. Hard to backtrack that. I think when all is said and done, if we're able to play or if they're not, there's some clause or addendum to a contract that if that cap goes down, it'll be minimal. I don't think you – I think it's, it's a virtual impossibility to have a $195 million cap and jump down to $60 million. No, one, 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 120 to 160 is what they're is – Right. What they're, so what I'm saying is $40 million to $60 million bucks, right? From right. 190, exactly. So right. just instead of jumping up, so it's a four. That's a lot of money. I mean, hell, people are bitching and complaining over five or ten million dollars. So, but everybody's had to take a hit. That's that's my whole thing. Everybody's had to take 
a hit and take an L this year. And the NFL and the, these players are no different. There's going to have some salary restructure. And I think when all said and done, I don't see how they can drop. the. It may drop, but I can't see it dropping that much because you're, you deplete a team. What are you going to do? How are you going to pay these guys? Sean, I'll tell you, man, I, I, I was in the second class of free agency when I left Philadelphia and moved to Arizona to play for the Cardinals. Um, that was 1994, I want to say. Right. And 1993 was the first year um, of free agency. The salary cap that year was $32.5 million for the same 53 guys on the roster. Okay. Right. The salary cap has exponentially gone up. It's like it, it's not like you know the stock market. You know the stock market got highs and lows, goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down, crashes, go shoots back up. Okay, if you look at the NFL and this is a graph, the NFL has done like this since 1993, and it climbs off the graph, right? Exactly. And yep. now, so their projections are for 2021 that they're going to lose 20 to 25 percent of league revenue. All right, well, think about this now. Okay, losing 20 to 25% of league revenues. How much profit is that still? Now, oh. man, let's do the math with these billionaires. Okay, so you had 100% of the, the, the whatever the, let's say you made 12 billion, right, Seg? Uh, uh, you said you don't look into people's wallets. <laughs> I do look into the owner's wallets because that's where we're getting paid. So they all this money, oh, what a bummer. The owners who, wanted their piece where that pie continues to where the pizza just gets triple extra large every single year or they the reason why they pay the money they pay these players you know why because they can right B billionaires don't like losing money and they ain't losing money so if their pie is the big one and the pie and it fills you up yet we're taking a few pieces away from the pie but it's still going to make you full I don't feel sorry for him. So, oh, darn, the NFL didn't make a profit for the first time since you and I had a pacifier in our mouth? Give me a break. So I don't feel sorry. Is it a bummer? Yep. But you know what? 2020 is a bummer for everybody. And you know who's going to get – who's going who's gonna to grab their ankles in all this, Seth, and that, who never has a seat at the table ever is the fan. Because guess what? They're out of jobs. They're, they're furloughed. they got three kids. Two parents, one's out of work, the other may be out of work. They're making 40 grand a year. One's a school teacher. They don't know when they're going back. One, the other's a high school coach, and they may not start in certain places. They don't have, they're living paycheck to paycheck. I came from a blue collar family. It was paycheck to paycheck with my old man and my mom. All kinds of love, food on the table, but it was paycheck to paycheck, right? And so you, you take a look at these guys, and then they're gonna, one time a year, they wanna go to a game, just once. Cotton candy, couple dogs few beers for the dad or the mom, uh, sodas, the kids got to get a hat before you know it. And then a hundred dollars, 125 bucks a ticket for the one sitting way up or 75 bucks because the boss didn't have him to give this time because somebody else got him. So you spend 700 bucks. They can't do that three times. They can only do it once. My family could go to one game a year and that was it, even if we couldn't. So, and then you know what they're going to do? Guess what next year? Do you think they're going to have the COVID seats for you next year for you fans where they say, hey, you know what? COVID hit. That $150 seat, we're going to give it to you for 45 bucks. Oh, hell no. You don't have a seat at the table. You don't get the voice. What they're going to do is they're going to hammer you. Your hot dog's going up. Your beer now is 15 bucks for 12 ounce or 16 ounce. Your nachos with extra cheese are going to cost two bucks more. And before you know it, the family of six is phased out. And it's corporate America that can afford it. So when all is said and done, 
you want to talk about the negotiating who's getting a sledgehammer upside the head? Because they're going to make up the money for you fans that sit at home. That's how they're going to make up. That jersey you usually buy a Seth Joyner going to cost you five more bucks next year. That's just the way it's going to be. They don't have a seat at the table. They don't have a voice, but they are going to pay if they want to go to games. So let's 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 play a little game of, you know, looking forward to next season because my whole problem with this whole COVID thing is what it's done, you know, to the working class in America. Okay. Amen. Amen. So, so there are businesses that have closed that will never open up. That means that those jobs for that business will never come back. Okay. 40 to 50 million people on unemployment. Some of them scamming the system. Other ones legitimately need the help for their families. Amen. Okay? So what does it does football turn into a corporate deal? We know that the Super Bowl is corporate corporate because the, the, the tickets are so expensive, whether you buy them the right way or you get them through a scalper, you know, you're looking at two, three grand at the low end for Super Bowl tickets. So that's 100 percent. Right. Corporate. Is football now going to be a corporate sport? Because a lot of these fans, you know, yeah, they're they're, they're season ticket holders. They're coming to the game. But at the end of the day, when all of their resources have been drained and you get to this time next year, how many of these people and, – and, and, and I applaud the NFL because you know what they did? They said, hey, you can either roll your season tickets over to next year or we can refund the money. As they should have. Right. Thank you. As, As they should have. Absolutely. But those, but those people next year – they're not going to be in a position to be a season ticket holder next year. They're still trying to make up for past rent and insurance they got to pay. The, the blue-collar person, that the ones you mentioned, Seth. And here's the deal. Listen, we need corporate America, big money to, 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 to build state. We, we need it, of course. I'm not dogging the guy in, in the coat and tie. Hell, we put on a coat and tie in our day, and we got a job that we're not – I don't have to go out and build a building. I got to get a job where I wake up in the morning and, and don't shave and still get to talk. So I count my blessings every day because I've had it taken away. I know what rock bottom looks like. I've lived it. And then you climb yourself out and, 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 and try to help somebody else and pay it forward. But I'm going to tell you this. While we need corporate America, the last damn sport I need is for the corporate America pricks that are taking your money to get rid of the blue-collar fans that are eating Philly cheesesteaks and tailgating at 5 in the morning drinking beer ready to play. Now, I know they get wild and have fun, but that is football. That's how we play it, and that's exactly how we want our fans to cheer it. So I hope it doesn't go corporate. Now, we'll give you your suite because I want to go up in your suite and drink your free beer and, and, and eat your food too. But right. I'd just as soon sit down in row 27 if we can get to, with the dudes eating a hot dog who love football, who bought the jerseys, who are wearing no gloves in 20-degree weather, which you and I don't even want to go play in. That's what we can't lose, and we're in danger, dude. We, we, we look at the generation we lost in baseball because we took baseball and made it too expensive in the inner cities. All those great players. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've talked to many guys about that that, that played and, and taken. And we've lost a generation of the dad and the son sitting next to each other. Right. We, we have, Seth. Think about when you were growing up. Think about when mm -hmm. I was growing up. And now you look and there's corporate America guy sitting behind the, the, the home plate. The kid's not with him. It's his business partner, which is fine. But you those now keep going up the seats. You know, when we finally see that dad and his son or the mom and their son about up above load section and those are still expensive so in football there's no cheap seats you got to hope that somebody gives them to you so when all is said and done if they're going to make the money up 
they got to charge it up, and so who can afford it? You got to be making a couple hundred grand a year to afford season tickets and pay a a, what, what, a, t- a ticket premium. We, we can't price out. That's why the NFL, like I keep saying, take the L one year, man. You, you know what? We all make an investment sometimes and, and lose money on it, and then hope we stand for the long haul. The NFL's a marathon. This is no sprint. It ain't going away. So one year, you don't make $12 billion, You make eight. Please don't raise the ticket prices. Matter of fact, if you really want to win, come back next year, lower the ticket prices by a couple bucks. Make a hot dog $4 instead of eight, just one year. And watch, you think football's loyal. Now, watch the fans come back. It's like two for one drink night. You go in, you go two for one, you'll buy six. Sean, I, I just, I, we we got to keep the blue collar fan and we got to keep the fan that can't afford it. If corporate America takes over football, then, then, then we might as well serve tea to those pricks during the game. Well, my, my question is, do they have the foresight to do it? It's uh, like you and I do. It's yeah. of course, of course we do because we understand we, you know, we come from those humble beginnings. I think, you know, do they have the foresight to do it? Because when you look at, when you look at luxury items, you know, Mercedes Benz doesn't price their cars at seventy-five to hundred thousand dollars just because they want to. They do it because they can. That's right. And they, know, and they know that there's a segment of the population that can afford to pay that kind of money for a car. So they're not going to drop their their rates on the car. And a segment we and a part of America we need. We need those right. the guys that are driving. We we, right. we need that so, part. Yeah. But when you're talking about the NFL, if the NFL can make its money. By raising ticket prices next year and raising the, the cost of parking and hot dogs and beers and all those things because it becomes corporatized, what's to stop them from doing that? Because some of these some of these owners are yep. about the dollars. Okay. Well, There's- they'd rather make the money than win the game. If you said, I, I said I'll give you a championship ring, but you're gonna you're gonna make three million dollars less less this year, which would never happen. You're winning a championship. Oh, you, many- make, you know what they'd say? Uh, I want my money. Yes. How many how many owners in the NFL do you really think really care about the wins and the losses? It just it just stop and think about it, okay? There are owners in the NFL that made their money in other industries. Most of them. And they made, right. and, and, and they made so much money, okay, that they decided, oh, I'm going to take $2 billion and go buy a team, yep. okay? And then you have some owners in the NFL who their teams have been linked the families have been linked to these teams since the inception of the team, and the team has been passed down through generations. Pittsburgh, and Kansas that, City, New York Giants. That, that is the only way that they generate revenue. So they run their their team like a business from the standpoint they're looking at revenues coming in because what percentage of that money is going in my pocket? Where you have these other owners, you know, like a Robert Kraft, like a Mark Cuban, you know, in basketball that have made a fortune somewhere else and decided they wanted to buy an organization and they run it the right way. Yes, that's right. See, that's I was going to use both. It's so funny. And we haven't, folks, we never discussed this. Kraft was going to be an example and Mark Cuban in the NBA. Hell, Mark. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, so off I'm so off schedule right now on my on my my rundown. Dude, and freeze, but dude, I knew. Screw the rundown. You know, this is called freewheeling, dude. We got no huddle offense and defense going right now. Notice I used offense instead of defense first. Um but yes, and like a guy like Mark Cuban. Now, Mark would give up a million dollars. I asked him that. I said, would you give up a million dollars? I asked him this a handful of years ago in an interview. I said, Mark, would you give up a million dollars for a victory? He said, in a heartbeat. Now, he's got a million to give up, but he still would. And that says something. The opposite is so true. 
Seth, most of the, I would say, and I don't know, but I would say 90% of these owners made all their money, like you said, doing something else. You and I, guess what our living was? Playing football. That was not a hobby, dude. That was, gave us a means to do this and to support family. There was no hobby involved. That was, that was 12 surgeries later. That, that's why we did it. I'm not saying owners don't care. But if football goes away, there's not one of them that's going broke. If blue-collar fans don't show up, stadiums will not be filled. When I say blue-collar, I'm talking about that hardcore Pittsburgh, Philly, those the Green Bay that are eating brats and really the money they spent on the brat and the tickets that was passed down through generations, that's, that, that, that's, they live for that every week. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, like I said, I'm not, hell, corporate America, we need you. But if, if they get selfish, Seth, it's going to start a trend of, hell, we're having enough trouble with all the stuff going on with COVID and, you know, people fighting among each other on social media. Oh, I'm not going to baseball. I'm not going to go to any more football games. I don't like it. A guy kneels. I don't like that a guy stands. We get that fighting going on right now. The threats, right, from each, each side. It's like, shut up. You're going to still watch football. Or if you don't watch football, you're not. Okay. We can all threat when it tees up. We're watching it. So the other side is true. If they don't recognize, here's the problem. You better recognize the room. And the room is, while the big money corporate sponsors keep you going, the room says, you better get the guy who, who fed you a brat and a cold beer before you walked in the game. If you lose that fan, then you're going to see stadiums start to empty and we'll lose generations just like we did in baseball. Wow. Wow. I, that's, that's just good stuff, man. Let's, let's segue into, you know, some football here. Um, you know, when you look at everything that's going on, which, which teams in your opinion um, in each respective conference and maybe even divisions if you want to go that in depth um which teams are best equipped to to succeed in a season with all of this chaos veteran teams with veteran quarterbacks and veteran leadership on defense and coaches that didn't change i'm not saying that ron and dick jack can't turn you know washington around but you got to have seth you know this i can have the best coach in the world with average players that coach probably gets fired I can have the best players in the world with an average coach, and that coach may get defensive or, or, or coach of the year. Now, if you give me Belichick and Brady, you give me Peterson and Wentz playing, going off, or Foles having that kind of a postseason, well, then you get, you get the best of both worlds, Doug and, and a Super Bowl championship. Um, but the teams that are because of the offseason, and you know, I, I tell people, I said, man, the OTAs and the verbiage for guys that have switched teams or new teams or new draft picks, even coaches coming in because they haven't had that face-to-face stuff with their players. Some of these guys probably haven't even met their whole roster in person because of this offseason. So to me, it's the teams that are equipped. Now, you'll have some, like always, that come out of nowhere. But when you've got Lamar Jackson, Russ Wilson, you've got Khalil Mack, you've got a Philadelphia defense, you got the 49ers front seven, you got the Chiefs who – all these guys that got under contract, oh, Pat, we'll give you 400-plus mil to do that. And Andy Reid's still there. The teams who changed coaches had high turnover change with players, and they got to learn verbiage in a new system. I think we're going to have sluggish football early anyway because, Seth, can you imagine somebody coming to you and saying, we're going to pay you more make you work less? You only get to be in pads eight or nine times during training camp. Hell, you and I were doing it, and I'm not saying the old school, we walk three miles in snow to get to school, but I was practicing two a days, and so were you four or five days in a row with full gear on all the time. And you're button heads with fullbacks and left tackles all day, two and a half hours a day. So it's a good gig so they can stay fresh legged. But 
they don't have enough work. There's just not enough time in training camp. So the first month, you guys are always ahead of the offense. You should be, and you always are. So I look at a team that's got great personnel in place, Baltimore, Kansas City, New Orleans. Adding, even though Brady switched teams, Tom's been in it long enough. He knows how to study. He knows what to expect. And, hell, he's even out throwing at field when they say don't go throw. So those veterans, I teams that have – that don't need a lot of verbiage change and didn't have a lot of turnover on the coaching staff or the playing staff will have a definite advantage because, quite frankly, they got less distance to go. They've already got a they, – they already get the turn on the 400 meters, right? They're, they're, they're on the re, they already got the turn, and now everybody else is in a chase mode. And as you know, great defenses win championships or get you there, and we're at a time so quarterback-centric that if your quarterback's average and, 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 and a rookie – they got a long way to go. Those, those two guys, physical front seven and a good quarterback and guys that were there are going to give you the best chance to win. It'll be the same dudes, I think, when it comes to playoff time. Right. I, you know, so I put together, you know, my AFC and NFC. Obviously, you know, in the, in the, in the NFC is my opinion that there's more in the NFC than the Agreed. AFC. I think, you know, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers, and possibly the Colts with Phillip Rivers moving over to, in you know, man that shit ship in the AFC and then the NFC um you know the Eagles because of the stability you know and all of these great teams have you know stability you know at the coaching position the Eagles the Saints the Seahawks and their improvement the 49ers the Packers the Vikings and you know you can never count out Tom Brady when you put him together with a guy like Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles you know the defensive coordinator Hi, Seth, I'm 100% with you. I, matter of fact, all those teams you just mentioned, there's no, I don't have any of them. The only team on the bubble, depending on how Kirk Cousins plays, is it going to be regular season Kirk Cousins in the postseason or what Kirk Cousins am I going to get? All those teams with Rodgers and Wilson and your guys with Wentz, Wentz stays healthy. We know what Doug can do. And in Philadelphia has got just, they, they just grind on you and they're talented. Um, I'm 100% with you. Those are the teams that unless somebody, three guys get injured, are going to be around. Because the truth of the matter is we can run them out there, and they already kind of know what to do. Mm-hmm. Now it's making sure you took care of your business during the COVID and got yourself in shape and understand how to put yourself in position. And they're all well coached. You named Harbaugh. You named Bruce Arians. You named Todd Bowles in the defense side, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid. I mean, what's not to like? It's going to take the outlier Somebody, the Cleveland Browns, who are talented, but they don't know how to win yet. Or what are they going to do? Is Baker going to step his game up? Is Beckham going to go off? Is Landry or the offensive line? Because talent-wise, you look at them on paper, you say, damn. But I ain't never won a game on paper. So we'll find out what kind of moxie and balls they have come this year. But you, all those teams you name have a solid quarterback and a possible MVP, a defense that will knock you right in your mouth for the most part, and coaching staff that knows how to get the most out of their players. It's going to be the same dudes. One will rear its head, but when we're talking January and February, it will not be somebody we don't talk much about, I promise you. Right. Well, you know, when you take into account, you know, if everything goes off with without a hitch and got my fingers crossed, you're talking, yep. you know, the first 18 to 20 days is just passed. It's like OTA-type practices. Um, and then – You've got the other the, the rest of the days leading into, you know, the, the regular season, you know, and you've only got 14 days of actually being in pads unheard of. I mean, I just cringe every time, you know, that I consider that. Yeah, how are you going to play the game, you know, if you don't get the physical work? 
my biggest concern is, you know, these young draft picks who aren't first, second, or third rounders, um, these undrafted free agents, because if Seth Jordan gets drafted in a year like this, there's not a snowball's chance that I make the team because those four preseason games created the opportunity for the coaches to actually see what I could do and project what I could be as as a as a linebacker. My man, you make the same. You make such a great point because when I the same in in our year, you know, I went to Seattle. Six quarterbacks in camp. They had David Craig, who'd been to the Pro Bowl. Gail Gilbert, who'd been a veteran. They traded for Paul McDonald. They drafted David Norrie out of UCLA, and they signed another guy from Portland State, and then me. I'd come off two shredded knees. Every single snap of every pre- – it's not just the games. You and I both know. When you were penciled in there, I had to have them trust me mentally and physically in the meeting room and on the field in order to get snaps in the preseason right. game. And then it all came together because they want to know, well, you're, are you a practice field All-American or are you going to piss down your leg come game time? These guys may be practice field All-Americans. And I talked to Jack Del Rio about this a couple of days ago. He said, Sal's the, only, the one thing about not having preseason game, we don't need a lot of them. But I got to find out if my safety, who's really good on special teams in practice or, or or in defense, when the game comes, you know that guy that gives you that Brook Trout look, Seth, the guy that when the game starts and real bullets are flying, loses his mind. Big, yeah, on, yeah. On defense, we call it the big eyes. Yeah, exactly. I remember Chuck Knox, my rookie year, he says, hey, when you come walking over to the damn sideline after a bad play, don't give me that Brook Trout look. And he made the the – you know, the big brook trout with the big eyes. And the, yeah. and I thought, I'm not going to do that, coach, but I got the opportunity. You're exactly right. The seventh, you know, the, the, the undrafted free agent who kicks ass in a pre, three straight preseason games doesn't get a chance. So what they better do, they better make every single second on the practice field in their short time. They, 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 you can't make a mental error. The coach says, I can't count on him. Get him out. They go back to a vet. Some veterans that are on the bubble, this may be the year they stick, Seth, because right. of it. I'm with you practice if you're not i'll tell you another thing you asked who's going to win a championship find me guess what not going to win it finesse and i and i just don't think nine practices and pads is enough people say well we can't hit people are going to get hurt your ass the teams that don't hit in training camp aren't going to win i understand not hitting late in the season fresh legs but if you don't hit in training camp you just don't turn it on and off like a light switch especially at your position and guys that play like you do there's no doubt about it. I mean, you have to have that physical component to it. And, you know, the thing that bothers me about, you know, the last five to 10 years is this not, not necessarily five to 10 years, but what bothers me is that you go into training camp, you go through preseason and you're holding out the most important player on your team. He doesn't get any in game reps during training, d- during preseason, your top players at almost every position. They don't get – I mean, I don't care how hard you try to push your guys to practice, how fast, you know, because today's game is fast. You just cannot simulate game-type speed and the reaction time that's necessary unless it's in a game. And think about getting in condition too, Seth. You, you, you nail on the head. I tell people this. I said, man, I can go throw 5,000 balls in the offseason. I'm talking about 300 balls a day to get my arm ready. The second training camp starts and you go throw 100 balls, Two days into it, you say, man, my arm's dead. It's the same with running. You can run sprints. You know how hard you trained. Sprint, training, lift, put the gear on. Guess what? Practice, about the fourth practice, guess what we're all doing? I'm quitting, man. I'm done with this football thing. I quit. I'm too sore. I want to go home. And then you, you do what we all do. You pick your ass up. You get yourself up off the field. You get yourself out of bed. And, and there's only the only sport I know where you play six seconds, get up, 
and get your ass kicked and go get yourself some more. And yep. if you're not used to that, I, I, listen, we tried to simulate Barry Sanders in practice with our fastest back. And then he goes and hangs 220 on you in a game on Sunday. You just can't do it. It's the same here. I would expect sloppy football more than ever early this season if it all goes off without a hitch. Well, I, you know, I've always said the first four games are kind of the test, you know, for teams. I get the sense that, um, you know, the first half of this season is going to be sloppy. Agreed. I don't think teams are going to find their stride. Offense is not going to find their rhythm. Defensive coordinators are not going to figure out whether they can trust certain guys in certain situations and probably to the, to the midpoint. You know, and by that time, you're talking, you're already in the most crucial months for playoff football. You're already in the October, you know, heading into November, um, you know, by the time you get to that point. It might be, you know, usually we talk about the anchor guy, fin- and you got to finish strong with Seth. This may be more than ever. You know, I always laugh when people tell me, well, there's no must-win games in September. Really? If I go 4-0 and in September – I don't have to go three and one in December, right? I mean, at least if a guy if a guy's got a hamstring, I got to rest him. So I'm a big now. I don't want it to be where if we lose our opening game, our season's done mentally. But right. I would hope that I'm coaching guys that are common sense enough when I say, "Yeah, this is a must. We got to win this because then it gives me I don't want to say the luxury, but a little bit of leisure at the end of the season. Say, Seth, I'm playing you a half because I need you. You know, you're no good to me on the sidelines with an ankle injury. I got to have you play. So this may be first leg of the relay just as important as fourth leg of the relay this season in 2020, a fast start coming out of the gates because people are going to be floundering around. They, they just are. And mentally trying to get lined up is going to be a problem at times. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a, a couple of viewers through a couple of questions my way. Um, you know, um, Jason Santino, um, he wants to know where did his question go? Um um, his question, one of the guys, I'm just trying to think, no, Michael Wakatama, he asked if a player opts out, can he opt back in? And as a, as a, as a, as a teammate, do you want him to opt back in? <laughs> no, man, he, there, there's that line in the sand. Not that I'm mad at him for opting out, but you don't get to opt out in six days, six weeks later, when you start to feel good, you think COVID's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to come get paid and say, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit better about this thing because it's, you know, there's not as many cases. And I want that ring because you guys are 6-0. and uh, No, you get to sit home and watch. Once you opt out, you don't get to opt in, nor as a teammate. Would I, not that I'm mad at him, but you don't get to come back in because we put all the blood, sweat, and tears in it. You, you stay home this year, and, and we'll send you a ring in the mail because you're, you're, you're still on scholarship. I got to give my man Jason at least a question. Um, I got him crossed up with Michael. Um, he, and I don't know how much you know about it. Maybe this is just directed at me. He wants to know who wins the the, the second cornerback spot between Sidney Jones and Avante Maddox. Um, you know, they, they traded for Derek Play yep. and brought him over. Big, huge move. Um, I, I've been Avante, an Avante Maddox fan since he became a Philadelphia Eagle. Came Agreed. Out, came out of Pittsburgh. I think that, you know, he's a much better player on the outside. Now that they've made the move to go and bring in um, Roby Coleman, you got a proven guy in the slot. Sidney Jones going into his third year, I believe that this is a, a, a make-or-break season for him. If, um, if Sidney Jones doesn't elevate like we expected him when he came out, right. not only will he lose the job, he may not be there next year. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, a mon- I'm not saying he can't play, but I'm with you. I think Maddox is, is good enough to be physical enough, has shown me enough. And this is why it goes back to the training camp. I want this battle. I, I, I want this. And I want Jones to be pissed or Maddox to be pissed because, and Seth, you know, we talk about those four guys, the two safeties in the outside corners. Damn, when you get guys inside, like you mentioned, that fifth guy, and if you're Jones, you want a guy that can do both. And you're, battle, you're just battling to be in the nickel or dime package even if you don't win the starting quarter. Now, I know they want to. So I would probably say that, that, that Jones has to elevate his play in the coach's mind and make a bunch of plays during training camp because I'm a, I'm a big Maddox fan too, but I'm counting on Jones to answer the call. But this is his, without question, his most important season he's had. Listen, I'm, I'm counting on him to make the call, too, because from what I saw at the end of last year, it looked like he was moving in the right direction. And, and and let's be honest about it. You know, from an organizational standpoint, do they want the guy that they that they drafted late to take the job over a guy that they spent an early round draft pick on? And the, the, the Eagles want they want um, Sidney Jones to win this job. You got to tell you, it's the CYA thing, Seth. I mean, you draft two guys. Same position, you know, in different years, but you draft one guy who's a, a high pick and the other guy, you just want to validate your staff, say we, we evaluated, right? This guy's a player. You don't want now, you'll take your best player, but you would love to say he validated exactly what we thought about him. He's healthy and let's go get it. So you're exactly right. I mean, he's going to get every opportunity to win the job, which if he doesn't win the job, then it's on one person, him, on him. So I expect that to be one of the great competitions in camp in Philly with, if we have a – uh, enough camp that is well i tell you you're you're 100 spot on because the one thing that evaluators scouts and and gms and personnel people the one thing they don't like to do is they do not like to miss on high <laughs> draft picks especially when you get a guy that's drafted you know the fifth round forward and he comes in and beats out you know your first second or third round pick <laughs> Those guys, I mean, the owner starts to look at them like, do you really know what you're doing? That's right. Oh, that, the, the, hey, look at even, hey, as much as we love John L, and I, John hit it with Manning, but boys, here's the one of the best of all time in the front office. Now, they've missed Paxton. They've had some misses. So what is right. everybody saying? Well, pressure's on John to find the quarterback. Now, they think they got it with Drew Locke, but even the best evaluators or people we hold in that regard they start to take heat from the national media and in-house if they don't start to hit on these guys. Because, Seth, it's like playing a par five. If you want to win a tournament and you're PGA, you better birdie the par fives and every now and then eagle them. Mm-hmm. You can't bogey par fives. And you know what the par five is? First pick of the draft. Twelfth right. pick of the draft. First, second round. Those guys are the no-brainers. It's the hidden gems, the sit, like what Ozzie Newsom's done in Baltimore for all those years before he stepped down. He doesn't miss. And if you don't miss... Well, then everybody holds you in high regard. So this will be important not only for Jones, but for the staff to say we evaluated this kid properly. All right. So let's let's shift as we, you know, come in the home stretch here. Jamal Adams and a fourth round pick and Bradley McDougal sent to the Seattle Seahawks for a 2021 first round pick, a 2022 first round and a third round pick. Now, who won this, and how? What's your opinion on it? Uh, now, listen, and I don't—I'm not disparaging because you played with great safeties. I was Joey Browner. I played with Kenny Easley. I think 
first of all, here in Houston, it just pissed everybody off more that they gave up DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona <laughs> for a second round pick and a couple of David Johnson. So that pissed them off. But overall, listen, this is the, the problem with Seattle is they don't have the Legion of Boom. Richard's not there. Cam's not there. Now, Jamal's a Listen, if I go through the best safeties in the league, he's one of them. I'm not big, although a lot of guys do it now, and it seems to work. I'm not big on Aaron Dirty Laundry. If I want to cuss my coach out or tell him how bad he is, I'd prefer to do it to him behind closed doors, and then we'll deal with it, and one of you has got to go. He forced the hand, and he did it on purpose. We know that. And, right. and, the, and the Jets, whether you call it caved, do you really want a guy who some of the players now are pissed at and a locker room divided who's your best defensive player on a team that – Right now, unfortunately, how does Darnold have any chance to succeed? So you get rid of your best player. But I actually, in the, on the right of way with Russ Wilson trying to win a Super Bowl, I, I think Seattle got a great player. Now, if you'd have told me it was a rush end, Khalil, then I'm closer to the line of scrimmage, more impactful, different. It's hard to make an impact if you don't have other – now, he'll make an impact in Seattle. But with the Jets, Jamal Adams, great player, but he ain't get, you can go two and fourteen with Jamal Adams. Does that make sense, Seth? Right. I right. ain't going two and fourteen with a great quarterback, or if these two first round picks are a, a, a great quarterback, or you get a, a guy that can go disrupt the edge and and you get fifteen sacks. I ain't going two and fourteen. Those type of players don't just fall off a you know a turnip truck and land in your lap. So I love Jamal Adams. I don't like the way he went about it, but that's the way we do nowadays. I mean. We out loud, we loud talk the coach, and even if Adam Gaze isn't any good, or even if he isn't the leader, I'd have probably gone about it different, but he forced the hand. He's going to a better team, right now a better organization. I don't think the Jets lost this trade. In the interim, they did because they don't have that current player there. But to get two ones and a three, if they do it right, both teams win. I think that you got more than considering other trades that have gone on. I think that the, the, the Jets actually won the overall trade because they got a lot for their buck for a safety. Yeah, they, they Sean, they got it. They're going to have to pay him. Now Seattle, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Now Seattle is going to have to make him the highest paid safety in the league right. because you can't make that trade and then let him walk. You have well, to sign him. Those dollars that would be designated to those two first-round draft picks, you're going to invest those in him anyway. That's, that's right. At the other end of the spectrum, you, you talk about who won and who lost. You know, Seattle's not going to be bad in uh -huh. 2000. 21 in 2022 so that draft pick is going to be a mid to late round first round pick that's probably, the problem in, right. in all probability a late round draft pick in in the first round those years for both uh, of those years right yeah so it's incumbent upon joe douglas who i have a lot of respect for and a guy that i think that you know is a tremendous gm i think he'll make good use out of it but what does that do for your Jets football team? And then when you look at Seattle, people will talk about the value. Um, you have to look at everything that Jamal Adams brings to the table. Um, 11 sacks, 11 hurries. Um, oh, he's a great football player. Great player. Leading, leading all safeties. Right. From, from the time he came into the league. As a and, box safety, too. Yeah. yeah and it's how you use him. Okay. Right. Now, if you're going to put him back in the deep third, you're going to play him on a half. Well, you just wasted. You just wasted. I need um, him closer to the line of scrimmage to be impactful. No question. So now, now I I I played during the era when 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 um, Ken Norton played. Um, he is a as a defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. 
he is a disciple of Dave Wanstead. He's not a pressure guy. Dave Wanstead wasn't a pressure guy. You know, he's pretty vanilla in what he does. Not and, a lot of coverages and soften it up. That's right. Absolutely. So now, how are you going to get creative in the in this short offseason with a guy like Jamal Adams? Because you know what? You can't just play him as a hook player. You can't play him just down around. You got to get creative with a guy that you've just given up all of these assets for. You got to get creative to be able to use him. You right. Know? If you're if you're going to give up that and pay all that money. The dude's got to be around the line of screaming. Creative is that's a great way to put it because, and and goes back to this to Kenny Norton, is you've got to step outside your comfort zone, dude. You went and got a guy. See, I'm a big believer that players shouldn't have. If I got a different type of player, for instance, let's use Mahomes just for the hell of it. Why? If I'm Andy Reid, I can go all West Coast and all. Oh, he's a system guy at Texas Tech. Well, what Andy did was smart. You bring him in. You talk to Cliff Kingsbury. We know Mahomes got all this enormous skill set. You say, well, what does he do well? Boom, you watch tape. Oh, let's bring some of what Tech did. Let's use my West Coast stuff, and let's build off that because why would I not put the guy, the best player in this league, give him the best chance to be successful? So let me step out of my comfort zone and do and add some things to it. And that's what the good ones do, Seth. You've been around coaches. Mm-hmm. If I got Why would I put a 4-3 end in coverage? And make it a three-four. You get my point. I don't need yeah. Jadavian Clowning covering somebody on a hook. Get your ass in the back of the field and go hit that dude that wears a single digit or a double digit number and disrupt. I need Jamal Adams to be as close to disruption as possible. And Ken is going to have to get creative. And back to your question about those two late first round. I'm with you. Douglas will do a good job. Let's just say, for instance, Seth, just for the hell of it, the Jets go two and fourteen this year. I think Darnold can be a good player, but I think right now he tries to do too much and needs some guys around him. And let's just say they got the first pick of the draft or the second pick of the draft. Somebody goes 1-15. in But that team thinks they've got a quarterback for the future. They drafted a young guy, right? And you say, ooh, Trevor Lawrence. Or you're the third pick. And you know what I'm saying? You're in that top five, and you say, ooh, I got these two late first-rounders plus my first-rounder. Can I package a way to get up and get that guy and then trade Darnold for a second round pick? So you can't now he's gonna have the luxury to get a little bit creative depending on their team because they're not gonna be very good right now. But you're right. When you lose Jamal Adams, you completely take away your best defensive player. But if you're gonna add him to Seattle, you can't put it. Listen, you're doing me a great favor as a quarterback and as a coordinator. If you play too deep or play him in deep third away from the line of scrimmage and half the field or three deep and middle of the field closed and have him away from the ball in the line of scrimmage. All you've done is say, well, you've made my game plan simple, much easier than it would be with that full-grown man hanging around the line of scrimmage and doing creative stuff. Agreed. Listen, I, I, I think that it's worth what Seattle gave up if they make the adjustment to feature him in that defense. Amen. Now, that's going to mean that your cornerbacks are going to have to be playing a little bit more man-to-man. Um, your linebackers are going to have to be better coverage guys. If you're going to send him in a five-man pressure, um, but you know, Sean, sometimes these coaches are like dinosaurs, man. You know, they would rather go, they they would rather die and go extinct than to change and adjust. You right. know, some guys just can't. You know, I mean, listen, if I was a defensive coordinator, it'd be really easy for me to be a pressure guy. You want to know why? Because I played in a pressure scheme. I know how to scheme for that kind of stuff. I got I mean, news for you. If, if as a quarterback. 
I, first of all, if you're going to play soft zone, then that average quarterback should whoop your ass. But right. on the other side of it, teams that pressure, while we have a chance at the big play, a little more low percentage when you're getting a fade throwing contest, listen, it's not the sacks. It's the, and I got them from you in Philadelphia on that team that day. I that day, I mean, getting the ball off, but the constant beating and Sean, come on, we're going to keep coming, getting you help me up and hit me again. It's that beat down that starts to mentally wear. And then what do I do? Or what does a quarterback do? Even good ones. The ball comes out a little bit quicker just before the, be, I know you're trying to throw a receiver open. So you're, 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 you're getting the ball out a little too quick and people, and then all it goes to hell in a handbasket. I'm with you. If I, if I was going to go be a defensive coordinator and I had the person I'm pressuring, dude, I'm going to put, I'm going to make you play under duress for 70 plays until mentally it wears you down, not just physically. So they are going to have to get creative. That is such a great point that you've somehow, you, they'll, and they don't, they're creatures of habit. Uh, cover two. Uh, oh, let's play soft zone. Mm-hmm. Dude, sometimes on third and three, you got to make that dude throw a hot read and see if he can hit it. And if he's right. got the balls of a burglar or if he's a coward, you got to find well, out. Whether he'll stand in there. I mean, you know, to, right. to your point, you know, that play that involved you and I and, and on that, in that, um, that, that Monday night game, I think it was, you know, it's, it's the, it's a product of pressure. Okay. Because if you hold on to that ball for one tick longer, you can allow, you can allow for the running back to get by me, but your clock is sped up because we've been pressuring you and we've been hitting you all day long. Right. So you see right now, I got to get this ball out of my hand because you're 1001, 1002. I got to let it go. Yep. And we had a free release and you're a free runner. And you're, you, Seth, you, and we, we've, we've discussed this, but about this mentality we haven't about that particular play, that if I'd have blinked and then thrown it, just a blink, yeah. you I, I would have got it by because it was one of those you grabbed back, but it was on the fingertips, and then you palmed it with your, your mitts and went to the house. But you're, and you know why? Because I said I got a little anxious thinking, oh, my gosh, Terry's going gonna, gonna to hit his head on the goalpost after he catches this, and we're going to go – we go down and win, that, that wins the game for us. And if I just a split second, had you been playing zone the whole game and then pressure, guess what I'd have done? Held the ball a split second longer and right. Terry Allen would have scored. So just a great play by you. But it was a what you did early and throughout the game affected the final throw by just a split second and a, and a fingernail. And you made a great play, obviously, but and it, and it, it was the difference in the game. Well, My pass to you was the difference in the game. You made a great play. In, in my opinion, that's the power of pressure. Agreed. You know? For, for quarterbacks now, you protect them in so many ways, but the power of pressure and the thought of pressure coming, you know, is what speeds up, you know, particularly young, you know, young, inexperienced quarterbacks. Because the- pressure, pressure teams feel like a quarterback, you know what they feel like, especially with a shortened camp, mm-hmm. they feel like they're playing against 15 guys. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Guys are coming out of the stands. And you, oh my God, you, you're throwing balls before the guy's ready and hitting him in the back of the head. You you are one hundred percent correct, my man. Sean, you know the 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 veterans, the guys that understand what it takes to win, they'll stand in there and take that hit, knowing that if I complete this ball, it's a touchdown. Right. Well, the young guys, the young guys, they're trying to chuck and duck. But the, yeah, I had no choice but to stand in there and get the hell beat out of me because I couldn't move, dude. So <laughs> I was either going to be tough or not last in the league. So you're right. Guys throwing off their back foot. Now, if you're spectacular like Watson or Mahomes, well, God bless you. Most right. dudes, those end up in the other team's hands or on the right. ground. No question. All right. So I'll, my last subject, and I, I've got – this is like a pet peeve of mine um, because what it does is it allows these young guys on social media 
to show just how soft, insecure, and weak they can be. Okay. So the NFL top 100 players list oh, gosh. started to filter out. And guys are pissed off because of where they're ranked, and they're pissed off because of, you know, um, not being on the list. And then this one is the one that, like, really blows my mind, okay? You got guys with their rankings or their ratings on Madden that are pissed off because they got an 85 rating instead of a 95 rating. And they're voicing their opinion. Right. I'm, like, I'm, like, flipping through my social media, and I'm like, I got to get off of this. Because this like really pisses me off. Me too. It chaps my ass. Yeah. About whether whether where I'm ranked in the top 100 or where I'm ranked on Madden on a darn video game, who cares? Well, those people that are doing the ranking, I understand players do it, and you know this, Seth. Tell me, some of those guys don't vote for their buddy. So if you're 28th or 29th or 31st, do you do you really care? I mean, deep down. Now, if it does piss you off, it's like that old saying: Don't let them see you sweat, man. Bottle it up. Go take it out on the dude who voted for somebody else if it was a player. And if it's NFL Networks and – did they really give a fuzzy rat's ass what I think about their – I mean, oh, I got him at 35 and him at 40. Sean, who cares what you think? I'm still going to play football. I'm still going to knock your dick in the dirt, and we're going to go win. So I'm with – and I understand if you didn't respect my game, Seth, or I didn't respect yours, you'd say, I'm going to pay you back. But you wouldn't have talked about it. You just go pay me back, right? And it's right. the same thing. But the Madden thing blows my mind. That's Some dude playing with a controller, and some of those dudes play like a Madden. Oh, my gosh, you know, that I didn't make the play in the game, so they throw the controller against the wall. I've never understood it. Maybe it's because I was never going to be ranked in the top 100 in Madden. My ranking was, well, Sean, the clipboard ranking, or when you start, you get it. But in truth, I, I, it does. And even if it does bother you, to let me know it bothers you, it, meaning social media, I just, there's got to be this, one of my favorite things about you, dude, and I, and I mean this sincerely, and I, I've told you this, is I never know if you're mad or if you're happy. I do. I'm talking <laughs> about, is it, you don't want to, when we're right. around, you could hit a ball in the fairway or we could be having a beer and you give that, that intimidating brooding look. And it's like, I know he's happy right now. Cause we just got done laughing our ass off, <laughs> but then you can give that. And it's, and I've got you laughing now, but I can never see it. And it was always when I played against you, there were certain guys that played angry. I said, I, 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 know, I, I know what he's thinking right now, but I can't tell the rest of the world can't. I, I don't know. See, I look at guys like you or Warren Moon or guys I played with. Can you imagine Jim McMahon going on social media and pissed about his – no, you can't. Reggie, some of the guys we know. And I know people are saying, oh, you guys are just old school. And maybe we are with the, some new school flavor. I get the new school guy, but one thing I don't get is you being pissed that some dude that programs a game – or whoever it is, is telling you you're a 95 instead of a 94. I don't care, and neither should you. Go play it, and then next year you can, you can be one. Like Carson Wentz, wasn't he third-ranked player in the top 100 a couple years ago? Now he's out of the top 100. You know what it's going to do? Carson, just he won't bitch about it. Just go play, man. Take care of your business, and it'll be happy. I don't get it. Lane Johnson, the same way. Right. It's, it's okay to be upset about it. You don't have to show it. The other part is that, you know, listen, you had Keenan, Keenan Allen oh. went off yesterday. I mean, Why? he's been pointing people out, you know, Mike Evans and this guy and that guy. There's, I'm the best wide receiver out there. These guys are nowhere near as good as I am. Look at the dissension that you now, you know, create with this nonsense. Yeah, and, you're, and, mad, you're mad at Mike Evans. Mike Evans didn't disvote. He had nothing to do with the vote. Mike Evans just showing up a good player. So, And there are some who think that Keenan Allen may be better. I, I, you're right, man. It's just 
you create this. There's this fraternity. I, I, listen, I, I love competition, but good gracious, I, I, I don't. I don't need to go on social media and get in a fist fight with you over social media because you were ranked higher than me, especially when you had nothing to do with the vote other than performance. I mean, oh, just, well. just the audacity to, to say it. It's one thing to think it. I mean, there's a lot of players that I felt like I was better than no question. You know, when, I was, when I was playing, but I never had the audacity to come out on social media. And disrespect their game. Or, or, and, and, and say that. Right. Why, why would you do that? You know, well, what, what do you hope to accomplish – by saying that, this may piss some people off. And I was thinking about this earlier. We're in a give everybody a ribbon time of year. And oh, here we go. Right now, Karen Scott, Jones, KJ, maybe yeah, because Kendra, everyone gets Kendra, a trophy. That's Kendra's mom. <laughs> okay, there you go. Maybe because everybody gets, you're exactly right. Can you imagine? Hey, you finished in eighth place. Here's your participation trophy. My dad would have thrown it back at the table. Okay, so, you know, I just, we are, we do have some of that that if you're not first, you can't be second. Well, if you don't want to be third or tenth, then do something about it on the field. But we're in a generation that the best way to do it is to scream the loudest on TV, scream the loudest when you're mad. Mike, I don't know. I'm sure Mike and Keenan are buddies, but now you've created the dissension. I don't right. mind fun, friendly banner heading into a week game when you and I are getting ready to play, and I call you and say, we're, I'm okay with that. But uh, this stuff, it just sounds like you're whining and moaning and, and – for, for such good players that are getting paid a lot of money, that's where the respect comes. Go win, and that paycheck will show you all the respect you need. Man, I'll tell you what, man. When I was when my son was young and I was coaching, you know, the parents used to get pissed at me because they wanted those those participation trophies at oh. the end of the year. And I was like, you're on the wrong team. Right. If we don't win anything, you don't get anything. And guess what we did when I – guess what, third-grade basketball with your daughter, your son's playing? We kept score. So they Absolutely. understand after you took an ass-whooping – what it's like to how we get better. Okay. Oh, yourself. Guess who's responsible for their self-esteem? The, the, the home life. Right. The, the other team's players aren't responsible for the self-esteem. So I'll take care of that self-esteem and tell them how good they are and build their self-esteem at home. But if you get your butt kicked, then we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and understand why. So no, fourth place, you don't get a trophy, man. And you can keep it. Give it to the kid who wants one. I don't want one. Right. Right. Hey, listen, man, it's been real. I knew it would be. Um, I know my 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 viewers had a blast today, almost as much fun as I had, man, because, you know, we've been boys for a long time. It's been way too long since I've seen you, since we hung out, played some golf, man. I, and, and I apologize. I know you were here in Arizona for a while. But, but we were, with all this, dude, yes, we, we crossed paths, but it was scheduled. I want, to, I want you to know I love you, man, like family. Um, I miss you. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of our stuff and get together soon. But I hope everybody's safe. Tell Mama I said hello. And I, I lo like I said, I love you like family, and I'm honored to be on with you. I'm sorry I took up so much of your time, but, dude, you, you bring out this passion in me that I love, and I can't wait to get back out there and knock it around a little bit. Awesome, man. Hey, listen, I tell my guests every single week, uh, everyone's most valuable commodity is their time. I appreciate the one hour and 22 minutes that you spent talking with me today, man. I look forward to doing it again at some point. I look forward to being on your show at some point. Um, thank you, man. I appreciate you. Love you, man. And um, look forward to seeing you and teeing it up. A anytime you need me, I'll crawl 10 miles over broken glass for you, brother. Thank you. All right. To my producer, Tom Schrader and Derek Stevenson, thank you. Thank you, um, Sean Salisbury. To my viewers, thank you, guys. Hey, listen, be good to each other. Love each other. Protect and take care of each other. Peace. I'll see you guys next week.